0: From Vistio, this is recorded for Quality Assurance. A show where we talk to the world's leading CX experts about industry trends, CX technology, and transforming customer support into a streamlined strategic advantage for your business. Welcome to CXQA Live, where we discuss the role the agent plays in creating successful CX center operations and we'd like you to know that we're recording this for quality assurance and of course we're talking about our podcast that goes by the name recorded for quality assurance we make it out of our time that we spend here every tuesday at noon eastern so here in cxqa live we believe agents are the single most important asset in cx operations and that agents with the right training tools and connection with your company will be a revenue growth and protection center for your business they're going to be the best diagnostic tool that you have for your business they're going to ensure that your customers are satisfied and connected, they're going to produce more and better work, and they're going to want to stay and contribute to the long-term success of your company. And we call this the agent-centric call center philosophy. Now, this week on the show, we're delighted to have back for the second time, our resident training expert, Sherry Kendall. Welcome
1: back, Sherry. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Always enjoy our conversations.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Sherry is currently helping to lead the CX training team for the online retailer Wayfair. And she has nearly 25 years of education and corporate training experience along with customer experience as well. So Sherry, we talk about agents being safe, successful, and satisfied in their work. And the last time you were on the show, you shared the four stages of psychological safety. And I'd love to have you Dig in a little deeper here on that topic, and and maybe just kind of go back to the overview of that four mm-hmm. stage idea, and maybe you could just tell us again what they are and explain them all briefly for us.
1: Yes, thank you. So um, the four uh, stages of psychological safety, that framework that I discuss, is uh, the work of Dr. Timothy Clark and Leader Factor. And he discusses inclusion safety, learner safety, contributor safety, and challenger safety. And this framework is really um, brings home that you have to start at the bottom. You have to start with inclusion safety, which is creating that sense of belonging. And after folks feel as though they belong to an organization, they're able to begin to learn those policies and processes and customer service vision. Then they feel when, when they're in that learning stage, they're able then to begin to contribute. So then they bring their ideas, um, thoughts, uh, worldview to that to the process, and then finally challenge. Right? We all need to be challenged. We need to be able to have, listen to other worldviews, other processes, uh, other ideas in order to create an exceptional uh, customer experience in our organizations.
0: I think this is such a helpful framework for leaders to understand and to build all aspects of the employee experience around specifically because your, your kind of go-to is in the learning and development or training Mm -hmm. side. Um, I think it's even more important there because honestly, that is the connection that the employee is going to have from the first moment that they walk in the door to, what it is that they do and who it is they do it with and for, right? So if the training setup doesn't facilitate psychological safety, then you're having a disconnect with that employee from the first moment. And I think mm-hmm. most leaders would say, yes, training is important, but yes. we want to get under the hood of that just a little bit, right? Correct. Um, so, you know, thinking about what would happen and does happen when all four stages of psychological safety are not part of the goal and what happens during the training setup, especially in CX, you know, the employee, the customer, and ultimately the company's place in the market are all going to suffer, right? Mm-hmm. And so we talk about business outcomes. We we always want to keep business outcomes at, at the forefront of our decision making, but the business outcomes are definitely negatively impacted when the training setup doesn't facilitate this psychological safety. So I, I thought maybe we could just kind of open up your experience bucket here. Tell us a little bit about some of the worst training fails. Of course, we don't want to name names or anything, but that you've seen or heard of or experienced in your career when it comes to CX organizations that have failed to provide the training psychological safety and what were the negative business outcomes that were connected to those?
1: Well, I think the absolute worst. So I come from a BPO. That's where I got my start. And it was a great start because I worked with over eighty-five clients over a five-year period, and so I really got to a sense of um, th- this whole CX world and what it what it looks like. And in that uh, position, the worst experience was working with a client said, "Training, we need to train them. We don't need to train anyone. Just get on the phone." <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was the absolute worst, and I spent quite a bit of time. Uh, with that client to really get them to understand the power of training. And you don't want folks that aren't educated in your customer service vision, your processes, your policies, um, serving your customers. I mean, for me, that's a no-brainer, but not for this individual. Um, And then there are plenty of providers, and and without naming names, I think most of us can sit down and think about that service provider that we've contacted where it's clear that the individual is either burnt out, doesn't care, doesn't understand the process or policy. Um, I think of a service provider that was happy to take $400 of my money, but did not apply it where it was supposed to go. And I had to make seven calls. I spent over eight hours of my life trying to get my money back. Here's this multi-billion dollar organization holding on to my measly $400 um, for, I believe it was almost four months. Mm. Um, Yes. And it took uh, seven calls until I found somebody that truly understood um, what I'm hoping is the customer service vision. They understood their place in my life to solve this issue. Uh, Not only were they empathetic um, and kind, they solved my issue quickly And that's what our customers want, right? Understand my issue. Let me know you understand it. Tell me what you're going to do and do that thing. And please, quickly. Most of us do not want to call service. We don't wake up and say, let's contact customer service today and solve a problem. Our hope is that the service promise is never broken and we don't have to do that.
0: Yeah, for sure. But when it is, you want the person that you happen to find on the other end of that 1-800 number to be somebody who knows not only how to fix your problem, but how to relate to you in a good way. Right.
1: Yes. I mean, if you added up the cost of all of those contacts and the time that it took, um, it, it would not sit well um, with the CFO of that organization. For sure. And,
0: you know, let's say, uh, and I have this experience ongoing with a brand that everybody would recognize of which I am a customer currently right now, where, you know things didn't go like they were supposed to go after the sale and i've had 12 different false affirmative answers that they're going to fix it mm. and zero record of any of the calls that i've made oh my gosh. <laughs> and everybody is scratching their head every time i call in i got to start over and and everybody says it's fixed and then it, the bill comes in it's mm-hmm. still not fixed and and at the end of the day i'm actively trying to think how to get away from that brand as Correct, a customer yes right? So you multiply the the additional costs of how much money this brand has spent trying to fix my problem mm-hmm. and the disgruntledness and the fact that I am bound and determined to no longer be a customer of theirs, the business outcomes attached to training being really bad within that organization. And there's more to it than just training, but the training aspect, you can see very quickly because you call the same number, you wait in the same queue, and you get a different answer for every human you talk to. Yes. Right. Yeah. So that it's pretty negative. And long term, right? If you multiply this out, your business, unless you have a monopoly, or unless there's really nobody else that they can can look to, then you're going to lose market share. You're mm-hmm. going to lose money. You're going to become less profitable or, or perhaps even see your business go under long term. Right. Mm-hmm. And as customer experience is becoming more important across the society, because people are, are already stressed out more, they're, they're frustrated. They don't want to deal with additional frustrations. And because people are always looking to provide in a new business opportunity, a competitor for a company that's not doing it right. Th- these issues really matter and they, they end in negative business outcomes. Right? Yes. Yeah.
1: And so, if I think about the, example you just gave right of course there's a learning and development challenge there but what's going on with their system where is the note screen right so also it's about process it's about your tech having a note screen is one of the simplest things to integrate into your tech but that just blows my mind when i call an organization like i don't have any notes what do you mean you don't have any notes you don't have a button to click to get to a note screen (laughs)
0: Well, especially if you've had several interactions and now you're saying that there's literally no value in the hours I've spent trying to fix a problem that should not be here. Uh, But the other thing that connects directly to training, and I'll just say from this particular example, and there are many examples that are out there, is when you literally go through the same exact call, but... You're guided from the agent that you're talking to as a customer in radically different ways through that call. So, you know, you're solving the same problem because you literally had to start from scratch every single time. But you can tell that there's no training that has really spoken into this type of issue or how to handle this type of call. Mm -hmm. Because every single phone call is radically different in the way they they go about it. The the type of questions that you're asked are different. The, the order in which things are done is completely different. And so that's extremely frustrating as a customer. And again, connecting things back to the business outcomes, I definitely think that we can see that those business outcomes eventually are going to be very negative when you can't just kind of keep going and over <laughs> the best. So I want to kind of take away from that some lessons that can be learned. What are the things that if you had the the CFO, the director of CX operations sitting on this call with us right now that you would share to say, this is what you should be thinking and taking away mm-hmm. from this training fail, Sherry, what would you say to that person if they were on the call?
1: Well, the first thing that comes to mind is the knowledge base. So we can't teach to every single contact. It's not possible. So what we want to teach is the customer service vision, the soft skills, and then where to find the information you need to solve a problem. So how are you capturing knowledge and where are you putting it? And is it searchable? It should, you know, I can't tell you how many knowledge bases I've gone into and it's not searchable. You have to know exactly the correct keyword, um, And that's not always easy. And it's And it's not easy when you have a customer on the other end of that phone that wants a resolution quickly. Um, So capture your knowledge and then ensure that it's searchable. It's in a place that's easy. I shouldn't have to click seven times to find the knowledge base. It should be one quick click. Um, And... And sometimes you don't even need to leave uh, your system to find that information. Think about ways in which you can um, add that information into the flow of work. I have some friends at Procedure Flow that um, have just really, um, that's their focus on how do I build knowledge into the flow of work so folks don't even have to leave your system. And there are many, many uh, providers of that kind of service now. So thinking through, I mean, that's, that's the key thing if that individual was on this call, I would say, is capture that knowledge and make it as easily accessible as possible so I can find the answer I need to solve that customer issue quickly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And consistently,
1: absolutely. consistently.
0: That consistency yes. across the customer experience is so critical. And and also, and I know this from working with our solution as well, you know, when you try to find a scenario that could be handled multiple different ways, you, you wanna still be able to have a consistent experience, right? Mm-hmm. And so there might be small intricacies. And then the other thing that I think is important is to create an environment with your tech stack, that the the training environment is as close to the real production environment as possible. So that, you know, somebody trains on one set of tech and one type of, you know, interface, and then you give them something completely different when they're actually dealing with a customer, well, that undermines the value of the training time, right? And mm-hmm. so they're just kind of self-training all on their own once you throw them to the wolves, right? Well, that was really, really insightful answer. Now, again, we're trying to tie all of this, not just to, you know, making everybody feel warm and fuzzy, right? Because at the end of the day, companies are in business to make money. They're in business um, and they're looking for positive outcomes within their decisions that improve the profitability as well as the overall revenue numbers. So I want to think about things in a little bit different framework. Maybe there are some positive business outcomes that you've seen specifically from Promoting the psychological safety aspect of training in CX. And I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about those.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I would challenge you a bit on yes, uh, we definitely want to, it's about profit, right? Mm-hmm. But it has to begin at the warm and fuzzy. I have totally. to feel as though I belong and I can show up as I'm, you know, just as who I am. Now, professionally, I'm not saying you can show up a hot mess to work, right? right, right. But I should be able to come to work and have um, and be seen and heard. And so when an organization takes the time uh, to really create an environment in which folks can show up and be seen, um, you actually increase productivity. Because if I have to spend time what's called masking uh, who I am and put on a different face, and especially in a contact center where I'm not, I'm not visible to my clients. Um, I'm then spending energy that I should be spending on my customers and solving problems. Um, and I think you can see those positive outcomes. It's difficult to to mention those without naming brands. Sure. Um, but again, I think if you take a moment and just imagine all of the service providers you interact with it's pretty easy to identify when folks show up as they are seen and, and in a way in which they can be seen, your experience is better, right? Yeah. So this whole idea, and I think you and I talked about it before, that you, we used to have to cover tattoos, right? I mean, I know police officers weren't even allowed to show tattoos not very long ago in, in my own hometown. And I'm thinking, what has that got to do with their ability to ensure I'm safe? Again, what does hair color have to do with somebody's ability to provide me a great service or piercings? What I see when I show up at a a place or contact an organization in which I can tell people are being themselves, my issue is solved much faster. Um, I experience empathy. I experience connection. And again, I, when I contact a service provider, I'm, I'm a little bit of a type A personality. Folks that know me will tell you that. And I'm very busy. Um, I'm a small business owner, and I'm a full-time employee. Um, I'm, a, I'm very active in my community. I don't have time to sit on a phone. So when I call, I want it to be efficient and effective and consistent. I can tell immediately when somebody's not masking who they are. They're able to connect to me at a different level. They're able to hear me, and I'm going to get a sense of empathy. So a great example would be, um, and I, I can share this without naming the brand, my beloved uh, Lucy Lou, my, my dog of 13 and a half years, and she was much more than a dog. She was my best friend, mm. um, recently passed after a battle with cancer. Mm. And I needed a ultrasound done in order to help her progress through this treatment. And I needed to contact the other veterinarian across town to arrange to get this machine um, to where it needed to go. I contacted them and I tell you, they would not hear me. Um, they would not assist. They uh, were telling me it was three weeks out. My pup did not have three weeks. Yeah. Um, and so the, my vet contacted me the next day and was able to solve this problem was kind and empathetic. And I'll tell you, when I go to my vet, I see people that show up as who they are. You can tell by the way in which they present themselves and which they interact with you. Do they have a customer for life? You better believe it. Um, Zoe has recently joined my family and Zoe and I go back to this veterinarian. I would never go back to the one that's across town. Absolutely not.
0: I think this is a principle that transcends whatever type of business or even Mm -hmm. business role that we're discussing um, anything especially though that faces the customer, which the contact center agent may be the best example anywhere of the pure customer facing role, right? And all they do is talk with customers. And if your job is to connect with and help mm-hmm. a human, but you don't feel comfortable in your own yes. Yes. with within that organization, then that contact that you make with that customer is going to be strained, right? And, yes. And I think it's even more difficult to, you know put this into you know a business case for why we should do x y and z if you don't understand the direct connection between you know that belonging as we call it and the work that that person is going to do and then the business outcomes that the quality of that work you know will will bring about and and that that could be really anything i mean if you think about it just feeling like you have a hostile work environment you know, very few people respond positively to a hostile work environment. <laughs> and, and that's a huge variable in the overall profitability of the company. And, and it's because that human connection starts to be strained.
1: Yeah. And and you know, this brings up something else. So belonging begins with seeing and hearing me, but it also begins with an understanding of how my job plays into the bigger picture. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't so long ago when you would tell somebody, and I'll be honest, when I started in customer service, I came from academia. Um, So my peer group saw that as, what are you doing? That's 12 steps backward to the point of I didn't even tell people where I worked for six months. Uh, Today, I don't feel really good about that. Um, But that was the climate right? Service. Why would you want to work in service? And we've seen a shift where folks have started to honor and understand um, what service means. Um, if you don't follow Nate Brown, please do. Uh, he is somebody that will inspire you and connect you with the value of service providers. And so yeah. if belonging goes, first of all, we want to see you and we want to hear you, but then it's up to us to really um create an environment that empowers agents, that connects them with the power of their work. Um, One of the things I often say is, I can't make your mortgage payment, but I can be an agent of peace in this storm. In this few moments that we work together, I can provide some peace. I can solve this problem. That's something most people can get around. Oh, you mean it matters what I do? oh, it matters. And let me tell you how it matters. Let me share those inspiring stories of service providers within our organization. So if I have that CFO or CEO on this line, that's the second thing I would say. Capture those stories. Mm. Share those stories with your folks um, so that they can then decide how they're going to provide that level of service, how they can uh, create those impactful and memorable uh, experiences. Absolutely.
0: I I have a recent experience where I I had an issue with my bank and the the bank's policies were quite frankly, anti-customer and, Uh, you know, three calls in one morning, not what I had planned uh, for my morning, right? Um, The third agent that I got on the phone basically said to me, we all agree that this policy is bad and we don't know why they won't change it. She said, however, I know that the leaders of this bank actually do care about the customer." And I think that your point of feedback would be really positive. And then because it was connected to a personal situation that was going on, and of course, you know, when you deal with your banking stuff, you're kind of borderline talking about personal information anyway. And this agent went above and beyond and just honestly encouraged me in my personal situation and told me how she'd been through something similar. And I said, well, you know, it's really unusual. It's always interesting for me when I call in a customer contact center because I'm like, hey, I actually work in CX and yeah. I know I'm just destroying your AHT right now. Sorry about that. And we always have a chuckle, right? Um yeah. but she she was she was just saying, you know, uh, what you're going through I've been through and it's going to get better and she and I said it's really unusual for this level of connection and just that level of kind of going above and beyond and she said, "Honestly, they make us feel free to have that kind of interaction." With our customers because we're all just people and mm-hmm. and so that spoke to me of a certain level of psychological safety within that cx organization within my bank
1: oh that's a wonderful story and that's what i hear is somebody that's connected to their role in that cx uh, experience right in that customer experience and and that is also the sense of belonging that we're discussing right somebody that's can really connect to I'm not just customer service. That no. a customer service is often the only interaction folks have with your brand 100%. outside of marketing. Mm-hmm. Um and it, what do you what do you want that experience to be like? Yep. Uh, do you want them to leave, feel leaving empowered and excited?
0: 100%. I think the other thing that we lose track of in you know the numbers sometimes is that humans are wired to look for redemptive moments and redemptive interactions so if i have a bad situation with a brand and they make it right i'm going to love the brand more than i did before yes. it actually in, can increase my connection to the brand if it's handled correctly and yes. i think and, and this is part of you know what doesn't show up on the balance sheet it doesn't show up on the PL. it's like you were saying and and, and i'm 100% in agreement with you that it's the actually the warm fuzzy stuff that drives the metrics, and so yes. you know, it, it's counterintuitive. Oh, I want to give
1: that a round of applause. Yes,
0: right, yes, okay. I, I, I've never been applauded on the show before. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna remember this. Thank you. Um, but I'm really actually quoting you. Really, I'm just I, I'm actually just saying what you said, maybe a little bit differently. But I think that that is one of the great difficulties to put into, um, I guess you would say, metric format or um, measurable format something mm-hmm. that is somewhat subjective, that is very much relational, that is a human-to-human contact issue. And and the number one variable that we can control other than mm-hmm. the tech and the training itself is the overall sense of belonging that that agent has to the brand and the freedom just to be a, another human talking to a human.
1: I couldn't have said that better myself, Rob. <laughs> I feel like you should drop your mic.
0: Okay. I don't, I I think this is attached. I don't know if I can drop it. Um, Well, I I feel like this is a good segue and, you know, I'm really thankful that you've joined us again, Sherry. We're going to have you back on the show tons of times, as long as you're willing. um, We kind of consider you our resident um, CX training expert here at CXQA live. And, and I consider you a friend and we think you're just amazing. Um, But there, there is an announcement coming a week from today. We're going to be at ICMI Next week, oh, yes, and we're actually going to be broadcasting from ICMI for CXQA Live with Jeremy Watkins. Will be on the show with me. Oh, yes, and we're gonna have a very special announcement for the CX industry that's very much connected to what we were just talking about, and and figuring out, you know, how to put something that is uh, objective to CX leaders that they can use to understand what's happening within the agent's experience within the company and and actually make business decisions based on that. Now, I I am being a little cryptic on purpose here and I've been cryptic a couple times on the show about this particular announcement. It's something that you're familiar with, Sherry, that you're a part Mm -hmm. of and and several of us are a part of. And I do love the suspense, um, if I'm being honest. (laughs) Um, But I really hope that everyone will tune in next week Uh, We'll be right from ICMI, right down there in Orlando. And Jeremy and I will be making this announcement uh, live during the show. And um, so I hope everybody will join us. And I will just say this to cap off our time uh, before we close out. And that is that there are a lot of wonderful people in this industry that are asking really good questions, that are interested in all of us getting better together and really helping to see the tide turn Uh, with the way that new opportunities to change the way we think about CX organizations are here now, largely because of the pandemic and because of the business and labor realities that are are hitting the industry. And I would just say for all of you that are out there that are asking these questions, now is our moment. Let's continue to facilitate and, and amplify this conversation and continue to get better together. So that's my closing statement, if you will. And again, I want to thank you, Sherry, for being with us.
1: Thank you. I look forward to our future conversations as well.
0: Absolutely. Hope everybody has a great Tuesday. Let's go make a positive impact. To listen to a recording of this and other episodes visit vistio.io forward slash podcasts. And to join our show live each week, go to vistio.io forward slash CXLive.